Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of BU with Declan Edwards. I am so, so excited. I am back in Australia. I'm back on home ground. I'm back at BUHQ uh, for this week's episode. And we're going to be deep diving in this episode into the topic of sleep. Now, sleep and recovery, uh, I believe, and I think a lot of people would agree, is one of the core components of health and well-being that is very easily forgotten about. Everyone's talking about exercise and nutrition, but so few people are talking about the importance of sleep and recovery. And we're going to be diving into that in this episode. We're going to talk about whether it's true that you actually need eight hours of sleep per night or if that's actually a myth. We're going to talk about whether you do have to get up early uh, to be successful. We're going to talk about why sleep is so important. And we're going to talk about how to set an effective sleep routine so you get good quality sleep as well. But before we do all that, I did want to let you know something incredibly exciting. This episode is now available in the wellness library section of Pocket Coach. And you may be asking yourself, what is Pocket Coach? Well, Pocket Coach is a new platform that we've developed to help you have access to resources, tools, strategies, experts, and cutting edge techniques to help you truly thrive in life 24 hours a day, seven days a week from the convenience of your own phone or smart device. Now, the full version of Pocket Coach will not be out until December 2019. However, we have launched the Wellness Library early. And the Wellness Library, the best way for me to describe it is Imagine if Netflix was filled with content that's actually good for you rather than just a distraction from life. So already in the wellness library, we have hundreds of hours worth of blog articles, podcast episodes, and videos all designed to help you thrive across the seven factors of fulfillment, which health is obviously one of them. We launched it and overnight we had 250 people, over 250 people I should say, uh, enroll in the wellness library and begin proactively and practically developing their own mindset and their own well-being so they can thrive in life. And here's the kicker and the best part. The wellness library is 100% free. So what you're going to want to do is quickly scroll down, check out the show notes in this episode. There's a link in there for you to click. It's HTTPS uh, dot dot, the little semicolon thing, forward slash, forward slash, uh, bucoaching.org forward slash pocket coach. As I said, that link is in the show notes. Make sure you click it and check it out. What you're going to want to do, it will say on there, pocket coach is not ready till December. You can do early enrollment and get a free month on us, or you can just jump into the wellness library today, a hundred percent free. It's on us. You can listen to this episode and hundreds of other episodes as well as access those blog articles and those videos and really begin investing and developing uh, your mindset and your well-being to truly thrive in life. So make sure you jump across onto that and we're going to jump into this week's episode of the podcast. So let's talk about sleep, shall we? I mean, why is it one of the most overlooked parts of health and well-being? As I was saying in the introduction, like, everyone these days is talking about nutrition and exercise. And I think that's very important and valuable. I don't want to take anything away from that. But you don't actually get stronger while you're at the gym. You get stronger when your muscles are recovering, when you sleep and recover. You don't actually get all the benefits from food at the point that you're eating them. 
You get it when you're in that rest and digest stage, so the opposite of fight or flight. And so again, there's so much around sleep and rest that's crucially important, yet people overlook it. And I know I overlooked it for ages. I was the guy who was all over his nutrition, all over his exercise, and just thought sleep was something I had to do each day, and I'll sort of begrudgingly do it. And that all changed when I went to a half-day masterclass with one of the world's leading researchers in sleep psychology. It was incredible. I'm not going to lie to you. There was a great part where we all got to lie down on these blow-up couches and have a nap during the, during the workshop, which was an amazing way to do a professional development workshop. And he really changed my perception around sleep. A lot of what I'm sharing in this episode is going to reflect some of my key learnings from that half-day masterclass. Now, let's talk in the first place about why do we even sleep? Like, why does it matter? And to be honest, we don't actually know. Not for sure anyway. I mean, there's some good ideas around why it's important that we sleep, you know, whether it's uh, a chance for our brain to process what happened in the day, whether it's a chance for the body to go uh, repair and regenerate. To be honest, science isn't 100% sure on why we need to sleep, but what we are very, very clear on in the research is the benefits of good quality sleep. And what happens when we don't have good quality sleep. So you've probably heard about some of these studies that show that if you're not getting consistent good quality sleep, uh, it can affect your weight, it can affect your concentration and productivity throughout the day. Uh, There's a good talk about how if you're sleep deprived, uh, your brain responds in a similar way to being drunk on alcohol. And it's really funny, when I heard that, I was having a conversation with someone and they said, how frowned upon would it be to show up to work drunk, like having had a few drinks before work? Of course, you'd be like disciplined and potentially even fired. <laughs> like That is not okay. But we're in a society that places so much value on being busy and hustling and not value on sleep and recovery. And so if our brain's going to perform the same on whether we're drunk or whether we're sleep deprived, what happens if you show up to work sleep deprived? I guarantee you're not going to you know, have the same outcome as if you showed up to work drunk. But your performance is going to be similarly affected in a negative way. And that's something we really need to look at and talk about more is this is really bad for us to not get good quality sleep. And obviously, there's always circumstances where we can't have great sleep, like shift workers, um, people who are on night shift. But what we can do is start to go, hey, my sleep is important and it's valuable to my health and well-being and I'm going to do everything in my power to prioritize and to do something about it because it's not just your concentration and and your weight that can be affected obviously your performance goes down Uh, it's actually been shown that people who don't sleep well have a greater risk of heart disease and of stroke Uh, it increases their likelihood of type 2 diabetes increases your risk of depression it affects your immune function it's increased to inflammation and stress and obviously that then plays out in our emotional well-being and even in our social life like I don't know about you, but if I have not had a good sleep, I'm not a good person to be around the next day. And I'm well aware of that. So again, like we know that sleep is so, so important, but we are living in a society that doesn't highlight the value of sleep and prioritize that importance. You know, you look at other cultures like Spain, for example, where the siesta is not only Um, allowed it's encouraged and having an afternoon nap is good for us Uh, but in Australia in the US can you imagine saying to your your boss that you're just gonna have a 90 minute nap or a half hour nap 
underneath your desk at work. There's no way that would be allowed. And so again, there's, there are limitations to what we can do sleep-wise. What we want to start doing is going, well, what can I do to improve my sleep? What can I do to start approaching in a way that's proactive and practical and, and approaching it with as much seriousness as I put towards my exercise and my nutrition? Because if you're eating well, if you're exercising regularly, but you are not sleeping at all, I'm promising you your health and well-being is going to be impacted in a negative way. You're not going to be able to fulfill that area of your life. So let's talk about a few myths about sleep and really bust those first and then talk about how you can start being a lot more proactive and practical with your sleep routine, with prioritizing good quality sleep and with really making sure you get the most out of your sleep. Now, a few myths to get out of the way first. You've probably heard these ones, the idea that, you know, if you can just get through till Friday, you'll have a massive sleep in on the weekend, it'll make up for it. That is actually a load of rubbish. Uh, it's been shown repeatedly in tests that our sleep doesn't act like a battery per se. Like you can't run that thing empty during the week and then do a full recharge over the weekend. That's not how it works. You've got to be prioritizing consistent quality sleep. So throughout the week and the weekend, uh, it's not a matter of pushing yourself to burn out throughout the five working days and then going, you know what, I'll just top this up on the weekend. It'll be fine. It won't be. It's not how it works. The other thing that's a very common myth is this idea that we need to have eight hours of sleep. Now, the reason eight hours was chosen is because what we know from the research is that adults need somewhere between six and 10 hours of sleep to feel good, to feel focused, to feel refreshed, to feel effective, and to be healthy. Now, about 3% of the population does have um, a genetic disposition towards thriving on shorter amounts of sleep. So there are, there are about 3% of people listening to this podcast who your ideal amount of sleep is six hours. Like six hours is brilliant for you. You wake up, you feel recharged. You're like, I got this. And that is actually, they've found it now. It's down to a genetic difference. Now for the uh, 97% of us listening who that is not applicable to, six hours is nowhere near enough. And again, some people have a genetic disposition towards requiring longer hours of sleep, like up to the 10 hour mark sometimes. So it's less about, I need to get eight hours as it is about identifying what's your golden amount of sleep. Because what they've found is that we all know undersleeping is bad for us. We know that getting poor quality sleep is bad for us. We know that not getting enough sleep is bad for us. What a lot of people don't realize is that oversleeping is just as detrimental. Like a lot of the negative health outcomes that we see from undersleeping can be also seen in oversleeping. Oversleeping increases risk of depression. Oversleeping increases risk of certain chronic diseases. Oversleeping increases our risk of um, having a negative outcome on our emotional well-being and on our social well-being. And so again, if you're one of those people genetically uh, predisposed to thriving on six hours of sleep, and you're buying into the myth that you're meant to have eight hours every night, you could actually be oversleeping and doing detriment to yourself. So the aim of the game is for you, what is the ideal amount? Now, how do you find that out? A great way to do it is with either a sleep tracker or just keeping a journal by your bed. So if you track your sleep for a few weeks or even a few months, 
and you go, right, when did I go to bed? What time did I wake up? Did I wake up throughout the night at all? Um, ideally, sleep trackers are great with the apps because they actually tell you quality of sleep as well. But even if you just have the journal, how much sleep did I get? And you just ask yourself, did I wake up feeling at my best? Did I wake up feeling refreshed and recharged? Did I feel like I was a bit groggy? You'll start to find patterns and you'll start to find a bit of a golden zone that really works for you. So for example, I know for me, around that seven to seven and a half hour mark is perfect for me. Now I'm not talking about seven to seven and a half hours in bed. I know for me, it takes about 15 to 30 minutes for me to fall asleep on something in bed. I'm quite fortunate. I joke with people that my underwhelming superpower in life is I can fall asleep anywhere at any time in a very short amount of time. Um, you know, if I was a very disappointing superhero, I would be sleep man. Again, I, I take I take it for granted. It's such a, a valuable um, trait to have. I, I am very grateful for it. So for me, I've found over time that seven, seven and a half hours, oh, that is, that is magic for me. I've got friends who are on that six hour one. I've got friends who are on the nine hours. So again, it's for you getting very clear and aware on, well, what What's my golden zone when it comes to sleep? Like when do I wake up feeling my best, feeling refreshed and feeling um, like I've really recharged my batteries and that I'm at my best for the day moving ahead. So as I said, there's that myth around you need the eight hours. You don't get clear on what you personally need as an individual. The other myth is this idea, and I'm, I'm so sick of seeing it on social media, this idea that if you're going to be successful, the early bird catches the worm. You have to be up before the sunrise or you have to be up at 4.30. And we see these motivational videos all the time on social media. of You know, the world's best performers and the, the best people in the world are always up early. That's not true. None of these are not true, but it could be very bad for you. Uh, we all have a genetic body clock, which predisposes us to sleeping at certain times and preferring to sleep at certain times. So when I was in the masterclass, he described it as um, night hours and early risers. There was one in the middle too, but I'm thinking the name of it or something like a hawk or something. So it was not quite an early riser, not quite a night hour. It was somewhere in between, which is the one I was. So it's funny that I'm forgetting it. Um, it's the one that resonated most with me at the time. But nonetheless, what he spoke about is your body clock is pretty well set. And you can do a bit to change it but not much. And even then you can probably only shift it by maybe an hour, hour and a half on either side. There's really not much you can do to change that genetic clock like it. And so again, it's about finding what are your golden times. So we know our golden time in terms of length of sleep now, then game now becomes, well, yeah, but where do I place that length of sleep? Because for you, it might be seven and a half hours like it is with me. That seven and a half hours is going to feel very different quality wise if you start it at 8 p.m. or if you start it at 2 a.m. And there's no right or wrong. It's what works for you. So for me, for example, my golden hours, my perfect sleep is if I'm in bed by about 9.30, I know I'll be asleep by about 10. And then I'm up at about 5, 5.30. That is when I feel my best, my most recharged, my highest performing. That's what works really well for me. One of our coaches in the coaching team, I was talking to them today, She's like, you know what? I'm my best when I go to bed at midnight and I get up at eight. Awesome. That's what works for you. Now, obviously, 
this is again where we need to start going, how much can I do or how much can you do within the limits of, of your life? So let's say, for example, you might find your golden times are 1 a.m. till 9 a.m. and you like the eight hours. If you have a job that starts at 8.30 a.m., obviously this is not going to work. So, I mean, the golden standard, change jobs and get a job that works better with your genetic body clock. Obviously, that's not always possible. So the other thing is, well, what can I do to improve the quality of sleep knowing or even just shift the quantity slightly earlier? As I said, you can move it by about an hour either side and it'll be okay. Now, when I was at the masterclass, he taught the best way to find your body clock and your ideal times. Golden standard here is to uh, go away camping for three days with no electronics, no blue light, no distractions, and see when you naturally want to fall asleep and wake up with no alarm clock. Right? The alarm clock is just ruins it. It's so funny at the masterclass, you showed percentage of people who are sleep deprived in Australia and the US. And it was this steady chart. And then all of a sudden around 2008, 2009 mark, it shot up. Like I think from memory it was doubled or even tripled the amount of people who are sleep deprived every single day of their life. What happened in 2008, 2009? The smartphone came out and social media took off. I kid you not, like this chart doubled in the rate of people who were sleep deprived around the same years that social media took off and their phones took off. So all of a sudden we've got phones that were staying up on late at night with blue light and we're on social media. And then we're using the same device as an alarm clock to wake us up before our bodies are really ready to wake up. Like it really fucked over our sleeping patterns. And we're going to talk about that in a second when we talk about how to set up a good evening routine to maximize sleep quality. But to start with, like, okay, maybe you can't go camping for three days to find your ideal sleep time. I'd be lying to you if I said I did that. Again, what do you recommend? Use the sleep journal. So for me, I wrote down, when did I go to bed? When did I wake up? How did I feel in the morning? Scale of zero to five, like five being best, zero being I woke up feeling absolutely shit. And what I found over time was as I moved those around, that's when I found my golden sort of hours. And so I highly encourage you to do the same, like have a book by your bed or even an app on your phone and start tracking it because what we measure, right, we can manage. And so if we're not measuring our sleep, we can't manage our sleep. We don't really know what's going on. So we want to start measuring it so we can go, right, how long is ideal for me to sleep? What times are ideal for me to sleep? And then last part of the equation becomes setting yourself up for good quality because you can have the golden length at the golden times, but if you're not getting into that deeper sleep, if you're not getting the full REM cycle, if you're, if you're waking up multiple times throughout the night, you know, you're not really getting the best bang for your buck. You're not getting the most benefits out of your sleep. So let's talk about sleep routines. Now I'm not, I'm not someone who believes that there is a one-size-fits-all evening routine that works for everyone. There's not, right? It's about you personalizing this and finding what works for you. But a few things I can tell you as a general rule of thumb are first and foremost, like exercise at some point in the day, preferably not late at night because it pumps up your fight-or-flight response, your stress hormone goes up, you're less likely to sleep. But if you exercise earlier in the day or even at midday, your sleep is going to be infinitely better. That's been scientifically proven time and time again. Exercise is key. Another great thing is obviously there's tons you can do with nutrition. If you look into melatonin, 
Um, I'm not saying supplement melatonin, but look into foods that naturally contain melatonin. I'm not an expert in this field, so I can't really comment on it much. Um, but look into foods that contain melatonin or help, um, sorry, help produce melatonin in the body. Those are going to be very handy for you. Uh, then the real kickers are around technology. I'm going to call it right now. You are fucking yourself over health-wise if you have your phone in the bedroom. And you're probably ruining your relationships as well. It's that simple. You, there were generations and generations and generations before us who managed to wake up at the right time in the morning with an alarm clock that wasn't their phone. Like go to Kmart or go to Walmart or something and get a bloody alarm clock for $5 and sit it by your bed. Because you can't stay up late at night scrolling the alarm clock. And if you do, like <laughs> that's up to you. Right? So for me... The, when I go into the bedroom, the phone, I set the alarm. I still use my phone as the alarm, but it's in a different room, right? It's in my ensuite and I don't go near it. It's gone. It's away. It's uncharged elsewhere. Don't put it by your bed. Don't use it in the bed. Right? The bed is not a place for using your phone. The bed is a place for sleep and numerous other things which will not be spoken about on this podcast. We'll talk about those another time. But your phone should not be in the bed with you. Put it somewhere else. Now, if you're sitting in bed, what can you do if not for the phone? Um, stretch, meditate, read a book. Like books are great for helping people go to sleep. You might be one of those people who that doesn't apply to where you're like, dude, if I read a book, I'm staying up for 10 hours till I finish it. So don't read a book. That's not the right fit for you. Again, it's finding what works for you, but don't have your phone there. And ideally about, like I'm going to say 90 minutes before you know you're going to bed, you want to start winding down. So that means don't do anything that's super stressful. Don't do work. Uh, ideally, limit your blue light exposure. So if you can move away from watching TV or chilling out on your phone 90 minutes before you go to bed, that would be ideal. So, you know, things that work really well here, a nice warm shower. Going and having a warm shower, stretching, reading a book. I know a lot of people who journal at night or they jot down their thoughts into a book, there's a lot to be said about having a book by your bed, just a journal or a notepad, where if you wake up in the middle of the night or if you can't sleep because your mind's running a thousand miles an hour, write down everything that's on your mind. It's almost like, how did someone describe it to me? They described it as your brain goes, okay, I've put that somewhere, so I don't need to spend all this energy remembering it. And it helps it wind down and turn off for the night. It helps people go to sleep. So, if you're someone who does find you stress a lot at night or you're a bit anxious at night or you know, you're kept up by your own thoughts, that notebook by the bed, give that a go. That should do wonders for you. It's, I've heard brilliant things about it. I've never used it personally, but I've heard brilliant things from people about it. So I would recommend that. And so again, what we want to look at is what's our evening routine? Now, ideal routine, it could be 30 minutes long, it could be 90 minutes long. As I said, mine really starts 90 minutes beforehand. I'm like, okay. I want to be in bed by 9.30. So at about the 8 o'clock mark, I'm off all tech devices. I'm not watching Netflix. I'm not, you know, scrolling my phone. And guys, I'm not perfect. There's so many nights when my sleep routine goes out the window. But again, it's, it's just uh, that's what I'm aiming to do as consistently as possible. No one's perfect. No one's expecting you to have this set up perfectly on, on, on the first run. What you want to do is start playing with it so you find something that works for you. And once you've done that, the game just becomes habit building. So what I'd recommend, write down your uh, wind down routine or your evening routine to help you get better quality sleep. Write down your ideal um, 
time zone for sleeping or your, your ideal times and your ideal length of sleep like we spoke about. And as I said, if you don't know that yet, start by using um, an app, which I know flies in the face of, but we're not meant to use our phones in bed. So in that case, put it on airplane mode, set your app, put it straight underneath the pillow. Like don't look at it. This is why I personally recommend um, using a journal. It's why I used a journal right, to track this. Use your journal to track your sleep quality until you find those ideal length and ideal um, times for you. And once you do that, it just becomes a game of tracking it. Like make a game out of it. Can you get five good nights of sleep in a row? Can you get if someone who rarely ever gets good sleep? Can you start with one night? Then can you go for two in a week? Um, because trust me, like by God, you're not only going to feel better physically, but mentally, emotionally, your relationships, your social life, like your career, everything gets better when you are operating at full energy. And you cannot be doing that if you're exhausted and drained from not sleeping. Please, please, please prioritize sleep as an essential and core component of your well-being. I've given you some tools to do that in this episode. Go ahead and apply them um, and definitely, definitely let me know how you go. Thank you once again for listening to this week's episode of Be You with Declan Edwards. Don't forget, as we spoke about at the start, this episode is now on the Wellness Library. It's in the Wellness Library part of Pocket Coach. The link is in the show notes. Make sure you go through there and you join the hundreds of people just like you who have decided to build and develop their mindset and their well-being in life so that they can truly thrive rather than just surviving and getting by. You know, if you're going to watch Netflix, why not watch something that's actually going to add value to your life? Why not jump into the wellness library and start consuming some amazing articles, some great podcasts, and some great videos about how you can build each of the seven factors of fulfillment in your own life? I will see you in the wellness library. And until the next time we talk, you know how we do this. Make an impact. Start with self and be you. <laughs>